Amen. Pastor Michael, come on up here. Pastor Michael's going to be delivering the word of the Lord. Why don't you guys give Michael a warm welcome today. And it is all yours. Thanks. All right. Sorry. <clears throat> Good morning. Happy Mother's Day. Now that we've possibly created a whole bunch of children's aid investigations about our children based off of all of those memes. We got those off the internet. We have no relation to any of the children in those memes. <laughs> yeah, it's good to be here. We're going to talk about Mother's Day today. The title for the message is Called Blessed. And um, I'm not a mother, but I live with one. <laughs> So consider everything I say uh, the non-biased opinions of a third-party observer, okay? And uh, <laughs> I, ha I have a mother who lives in my house, being my wife. We have uh, three kids, and then uh, my mom. I lived with her for a little while. <laughs> no, I'm just joking. I we want to talk about Mother's Day, and ultimately, we don't only want to talk about uh, mothers in just... Uh, women who have given birth, but we want to talk about the value of being a mother. And uh, if you could turn my mic down just a little bit, because I'm afraid to talk. Um, if, you could, if we could talk about mothers, uh, we want to talk about women, because, you know, the Bible tells us specifically that God made man and he made women differently. It says, and he made them male and female. And there are values and there are traits and there are characteristics that exist with women that don't naturally and easily come to men, generally speaking. And, uh, and so one of the things is, is that what we've seen here in society, and I'm not going to break it down because I'll, I'll tangent, we won't even talk about moms. But what we've seen in society is that uh, there's been a major absence of men in the household, and instead of calling it out for what it is and talking about the value of men and their value as fathers, what we've actually done, not the church, but society, society has tried to establish value in women as what they're able to do as men. And what's happened in that situation is that we have actually devalued the things that most women are the best at doing, and we've tried to attach value to women based on what men most likely are, and most often are supposed to be doing. And so what's happened is, is that we actually have started to do a disservice to mothers because we no longer uh, value and celebrate what the women do as women in the household because we're so closely trying to celebrate what the women do as men because the men aren't there. Are you with me? We can argue later if you want. What I'm doing today, I want to celebrate women and I want to celebrate mothers for what they do as women and as mothers in the world today, amen? Because what we, what we, what the big, and here's the thing, I talk to men a lot because I believe that when women are fulfilling the roles that God created them to do, they're the best at that. And I believe that when men are fulfilling the roles that God created them to do, that they're the best at that. And when you have the nuclear family, when you have the household where the male is doing what God created him to do, and the, and the, and the wife and the, and the female is doing what God created her to do, you end up having 
having legacy and you end up having cyclical success and you have a spiritual safety and a spiritual comfort and you end up having children that are growing up really with a high level of balance. Whereas when we start to lose one of the parents, then what we have to do is the other parent has to try to compensate on the things that God didn't naturally create that person to do. Now, fortunately for us, you know, if you're a single mother today, we celebrate you because you are doing above and beyond what God had created and intended you to do so your children could be, could be balanced and, and well. And if you're a single father today, you're going to have to be going outside of what's natural and, and, uh, and easy for you. You know, uh, me and my wife, we, we are completely opposite in our parenting. And I've realized that when I try to be like my wife with my kids, they know they can tell. They're like, yeah, he's trying to be like mom. Mom sent him here. We know what's going on. But you know, here's the thing. If we didn't have my what, you know, like, I'll just be really honest with you. In my household, I'm not saying this is the biblical standard, but this is our household. In our household, I am the disciplinarian. So when I come home, I am met with all of the problems of the day. <laughs> and so I have to deal with them. But then there are times where I start dealing with them and then my wife comes and goes, you know, she really is feeling, uh, she's feeling really hurt by, by that level of discipline. So now I got to go back and be like, listen, let me kind of bring down. And here's the thing, it's good because if it was just me all the time, I would have a whole bunch of little military recruits with no emotional intelligence running around all the time. But if they were just with my wife all of the time, I'd have a whole bunch of hellion children that are loved and just break everything, okay? And so we, we balance each other out. And, um, and, but what I wanna do today, I really wanna celebrate what the moms do. And essentially I wanna celebrate what women do because you, one thing I've learned as a neutral observer is that mothers don't stop mothering when it's other people's kids. <laughs> Now, in our society, we really put some walls up because God forbid someone else comes and talks to your child in Canada. You know, you'll be calling the police, some random person came. But uh, in, when I lived over in Uganda, we lived over there and, and uh, I actually hired, I had to hire a nanny, a full-time live-in nanny. Her name's Maureen. Uh, she's still friends with us now and I think she still tries to mother us from Uganda. Um, but I had to hire her because I realized that if my wife wasn't with one of the kids for 30 seconds, another mother would come and try to start mothering my children. And every mother has a different like level of like what they see as acceptable discipline. And so I was like, I have to hire someone to basically just like be attached to my children if Elva can't be. And uh, because what I, I remember we were doing um, a crusade in uh, North Uganda and there was these kids and they were acting a fool. They were just being complete ding-dongs. They were running around, they're screwing around, and there's a big rope, like, don't pass this rope, and these kids are doing the limbo back and forth underneath the rope. And I remember this, this uh, old mama, she comes over, and she's got this stick. And I thought it was to help her walk, but it was not. She walked perfectly fine. She came with this stick, and these little kids were screwing around. She said something to them in Swahili. They kept on doing it. And she came with that stick, right across all the shins. And these kids, they straightened up so fast. And I thought to myself, man, that lady looks old to have that many children. And then the guy beside me said, oh, no, that's not her kids. She's not even from this tribe. The language she spoke is they didn't understand what she said. And I was like, well, they understood the stick. 
And uh, I said, I said, oh, I wonder what's going to happen. And he goes, nothing. And I said, what do you mean nothing? He goes, oh, the mother will. And then I remember we were administrating a school. We were helping um, administrate a school. And I remember um, it, it was a village school. But when we came in, we really tried to like make, bring it up to a national standard. And uh, so we said, all right, teachers, if, you're, if the kid are ca causing problems, you give them demerits, you give them detentions, and we'll write a letter home to the parents. And we had our first parent-teacher meeting, and it was myself and Elvin. We had a couple of our teachers and administrators, and we had a whole bunch of parents there. And uh, one of the parents stood up and said, how come you don't beat the kids? That's what he said. Now, I'm sure there's a little bit of translation difference between beat and like discipline, but he goes, how come you don't beat the kids? And I said, what are you talking about? Why don't we beat the kids? He goes, you need to beat the children. They, they come home and they said, we act like demons all day long and here's a piece of paper. And he goes, you've, you've caused that issue right there and then. And I started laughing about it. We never did because was, there was cultural differences. But what I realized is, is that mothers, when, even when they are outside, their natural inclination is to look out for the children. Now, me personally, if a kid's acting crazy, I go, thank God it's not my kid. You know what I mean? <laughs> is he mine? I don't worry about it. Is it my car? Not a big deal. You know what I mean? It's one of those things where, where, but moms, they go, you know, you've probably seen it before if you've hung out with one, you go, where's our kid's mother? You know what I mean? Yesterday, we were at Point Pelee and this little kid was driving around his bike in the parking lot. And I'm looking at him going, he better not scratch my van because he was getting very close, and Elva's looking around going, where's his mother? He's too young to be biking by himself. And uh, it, there's differences, and the differences are not different in value, but the value that they add, the greatest value is, is that the opposite sex often doesn't have what the other one has. They complete each other. You know, in 1 Corinthians 11, it talks about, yeah, woman came from man, but now man comes from woman, but all things come from God. And what we see is that sometimes in society, we have started to reduce the value of what the one sex does naturally, and we try to add value to what the other sex does to for that one to do it because we are having a major issue with the households and the families in North America and instead of addressing the problems we're trying to create a new solution by going against the solution that God gave when he made them male and he made them female he made them fathers and he made them mothers why because that was the image of God we see within the Holy Spirit we see with God we see that there are fundamental differences between men and women not that one is greater in value than the other because they're all in the image of God, but rather that they do different things for different purposes. But when they work together, they do amazing things and they set up God's children for the future. Amen. And uh, so I want to talk a little bit about the love of a mother. You know, I was reading about St. Augustine, not St. Augustine, Florida, where we all wish we were the last six months, but St. Augustine of Hippo, and uh, he would have been around in, in 354 to 430 AD, and uh, he was, uh, his, his mother was a Christian, his dad was a pagan, 
And uh, Augustine, he was kind of an intellectual, and so he kind of grew up and he understood Christian orthodoxy, but when he kind of got into his early years, he went off to school, and so he started diving into all of these different Gnostic religions and apostasies and, and Christian Scientology and all of these different weird, uh, well, not Christian Scientology, but Christian like sciences and all of these different like culty, pagany things. And uh, it, it says his mother, Monica, would pray for this guy. Augustine actually wrote later on that no mother cried as many tears for the spiritual life of his son as a mother, uh, or no mother cried for the son who had passed away as much as his mother cried while he was alive. And it says that she would cry, that he would, he left the faith, that he's not part of the household. He's not, you know, his dad doesn't care. His dad's like, yeah, he's off to school. He's being a man. He's doing whatever. But the mom cried because she knew God had a plan for Augustine. And he, he was out doing every type of thing. And it says that she went to a, one of the bishops in the local parish. And she said, you got to go talk to my son, Augustine. And so the bishop kind of looked and listened to the whole story. He goes, no, it's not for the time for me to go talk to him right now. The Holy Spirit's going to do a thing in him. And, and she got real angry with this bishop that he wasn't going to go talk to Augustine. And uh, the bishop prophesied to the, the woman famously. He said, uh, go away, Monica, while you live. The son of tears of yours shall not perish. And Monica wept tears for her prodigal son for many years, but later Augustine finally came back into the faith, and it was all through the prayer and the tears of his mother. You know, the love of a mother is so much so that we see even, um, I, I, was, I was reading in 1 Samuel, where you have the story of Hannah, and the Bible says that he, her womb was closed. She had no children, and, and so she's got this loving husband named Elkanah, and they're, they're having a dinner, and I remember I was reading this part where it says, in the middle of of the dinner, Hannah just started crying. And Elkanah looks at her, at his wife, and he says, why are you weeping? Am I not worth 10 sons to you? Right? She didn't answer the question. <laughs> Probably gives you the answer right there. But there is, there is something about the love of a mother that goes so far, that will go so far that it's, that they, they're weeping tears for the, the child that's still alive because they're so worried and afraid of what's going on. You know, Fathers, the majority of the time, we're not going to weep tears for you. You're going to weep tears when I'm done with you, right? And, uh, and, but we see, though, that it was Augustine understood the love of God because he, he was confused by the weeping of his mother. There's actually a really good article called The Son of Such Tears, and it's all about Augustine and his coming to faith. And it was his mother who was praying and crying for him. There's also the faith of a mother, that we see in the Bible in 2 Timothy 1. Paul is writing to Timothy. And this is really interesting when you understand the context. He says, I'm reminded of your sincere faith, a faith that dwelt first in your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice, and now I am sure dwells in you as well. You know, oftentimes throughout Old Testament, New Testament, within Roman Orthodoxy, people would recognize people as the son of the father. But when Paul is talking to Timothy, he recognized Timothy by the faith of his mother and his grandmother. There was a legacy of faith between the grandma and the mother that made Timothy known to Paul. Paul said that, he, that, that Timothy was like a son to him. But he didn't know Timothy as his sonship, but he knew him by his mom and by his grandmother. There is something about the faith 
of a mother. There's something about the faith of Hannah when she said, if you will give me a son, I will lend him back to the Lord. And we see that when, when his, her womb was open and God gave her Samuel, the prophet Samuel, and it says that he, she lent Samuel to Eli. She lent him to the Lord. There is the faith of a mother about the good of the children. There is something about, you know, there, there are times where, where a lot of us have mothers where you, you could be in any such situation and that mother is praying for you. Is, and listen, I'm not just talking about your physical mother. There are spiritual mothers who are praying for people as if they were their own children. Are you with me? I'm telling you, there's a bunch of women in this room even that when I was a kid were praying for me. Might have been for lightning or it might have been for rescue. I don't really know. But I know that when I was a kid, there were women in my life who would come to me that were not my maternal mother. But I'm telling you, they would speak into my life. There are, there are women in this church who are spiritual mothers who are praying for people as if they are their own sons. Why? Because there's something about the faith of a mother. And I think, and, I, and this, this part, I, 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 have a, I, have a, I have a little bit of an opinion on this. But... You know, when you look at, uh, I'm just thinking about when we were trying to have children, there is something about the faith of a mother that I don't think men truly experience because there is something very small that starts happening in a woman and, and she doesn't really know exactly what's going on, but she is believing God that there's something that's going to happen. And they are literally in for nine months. There is a mustard seed of faith inside of them that is growing and that is growing. And after nine months, when the baby comes, it is an answer to promise. It is an answer to faith. It is an answer to expectation. And I believe that there is something about the faith of a mother where they can see nothing for nine months, but they can live off of the small grumblings and the small movements and the small pains and the being woken up in the middle of the night to pray for something and the small this and the small that and the perpetual expectation of something that's going to happen nine months later. You know, for me, nine months didn't massively change my life. <laughs> it did on the ninth month, okay? It did on the last day when they went, here's your child, see you later. And I'm like, isn't there a class? You guys just give, you just let us go? You guys crazy? I was driving a Dodge Charger and they gave me a child. Nobody even came to inspect my, anyways. I don't have a Charger anymore, I have a van. <laughs> Pray for me. There's the love of the mother. There's the faith of the mother. And then there is a special blessing to being a mother. You know, I love when you see in Luke 1, 41, when Elizabeth heard the greeting of Mary, the baby leapt in her womb and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit and she exclaimed with a loud cry, blessed are you among women and blessed is the fruit of your womb. You see it again in Luke 1, 47, 48, when Mary writes her song, she sings, my soul magnifies the Lord. My spirit rejoices in God, my savior. He's looked on the humble estate of his servant. For behold, from now on, all generations will call me blessed. You know, sometimes we just talk about Mary being blessed as a mother because it was Christ. But the Bible talks to us over and over again that children are a blessing from the Lord. 
And you know, I love that in Psalms 127, the Bible actually calls children arrows in the quiver. Now, when you know how to shoot an arrow, arrows are a blessing to you, okay? <laughs> now, if you don't know what you're doing with them, sometimes it's like, I don't know if this is a blessing or not, you know? But the, but the Bible talks about that the arrows are, that the children are like arrows. They're a blessing when you know what to do with them. The, there are times when we question if our children are a blessing. <laughs> And there are times when they don't feel like they're a blessing. And you know, the thing that I've learned in my life is that the blessing comes not only from the child, but in what the child is doing for the parent. You know, you don't, you, you start to really understand the love of God the Father when you become a father. You really don't understand giving your son to the cross until you kind of have that son in your life. That's when you really start to almost get it. You know, and it's even with, with, with mothering and, and, and fathering and parenthood that there are blessings that come when you start to have those children. And I'm, and I'm not just saying physically, but when you, as a, even as a spiritual parent, when you start to have spiritual sons and daughters in your life and you get to pour into them, listen, sometimes the bucket has a hole in it and you're pouring into them and you're like, what is going on in this? You know, I, I, but there is something when you start to see God doing a work, when you start to see things growing, when you start to see things turning around, when things start to happen and you, all of a sudden you realize that the inheritance or, or that the investments that you've been pouring into are starting to happen. I'm telling you that there's no blessing like it. And I, I want to encourage you, even if you, don't have kids in your house right now or anymore or ever did, it is not a reason to not be pouring into someone as a spiritual father or spiritual mother. And I'll even go the opposite way to say, even if you don't have a mother or father here today or even a mother and father that are in the faith, you should have in your life mothers and fathers of the faith that can pour into you. Because they are blessed when they get to pour into you, and you are blessed when you get to be poured into by the previous generation. Are you with me? And it is a cyclical investment. Because listen, if you don't pour into your children, the faith dies when you do. But when you can pour into the next generation, both physically and spiritually, when you can be investing what you know, both in this world and both in the world to come, when you're able to bring that and put it into the next generation, it might not always feel like a blessing because sometimes you don't always see it come back. But the Bible talks about that, that, that there is sowing and that there is reaping, but the Lord is the Lord of the harvest. And our job is not just to look for the harvest, but that we are blessed when we sow and we are blessed when we reap. You know, I even pray that there are people in my kids' lives that will go, you know, and the things that I'm not able to do as a father, that there are other men that are like fathers that can pour into that. Because I want my kids to be well invested into by a generation of faith. And where there's cases where my wife can't completely mother to the, to the perfect extent, I want other women. You know, when we have children's church, we have Sunday school, there are mothers and fathers that are spiritually investing into my children. And it's an amazing, amazing thing. And they are blessed, whether they know it or not. And my children and, and your children and the children's to come are blessed because of those people. You know, I also want to talk about that there is hard work in being a mother. 
I've observed. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, you know, I was doing, a, I was reading a funny statistic. I don't know how they came up with these numbers. But they tried to figure out how much you'd have to pay a mom to do her job in the marketplace. And they did a whole bunch of factors. They figured out hours. They figured out overtime. They figured out payment in lieu during vacation. You know, they figured out everything. They figured out, you know, medical emergencies. I think they figured out, like, trauma and emergency relocation and, and sleep deprivation. They did a whole bunch of crazy things. Anyways, by the time they were done, they figured out that, uh, that a mother at home is... is would be earning between 140 and 160,000 US dollars per year if uh, you were trying to take that, all of that work and put it in the marketplace. Tax-free, gentlemen. <laughs> um, I hate paying taxes. So <laughs> I was like, 150 grand, you're staying home, baby. We hit the jackpot. I'm just kidding. But we have, my, my wife stays home and she works at home. And, you know, one thing I've seen in society is that, you know, when we go and we start to do different things, you know, they'll say, what's your employment? And a lot of times they just put unemployed. <laughs> and it's like, hey, man, you might not be employed by an employer, but you are heavily employed. It's just the people you work for don't pay you. They take from you. Okay. And, uh, but the, the work is hard because the mothers are always working and they, you know, last night we went to bed early to try to be awake for today. And at like midnight, 1130, midnight, my three-year-old came in the room and she goes, I had a bad dream. I'm tired. I'm coming into your bed. And she came into our bed. No one's paying us for the little sleep we got last night because we got kicked by a toddler all night long. Okay. But it is hard work being a mother, both raising children little, <laughs> raising children older, and then looking out for people who need a mother to speak into their life. And so what I did, and I, I kind of want to close with this, I was reading about Proverbs 31. And Proverbs 31, we often talk about it as the, the, the woman who fears the Lord. We talk about the, the virtuous woman. But if you look at it, almost all of it has to do with how she treats her household and how she treats her husband and how she treats her kids. And what me and my wife were talking about the other day is that a lot of it is hard to understand because we had this thing called the Industrial Revolution. And so we don't have women that work spindles anymore. So what I tried to do is I tried to look at what the, the mothers do in Proverbs 31, and I tried to add the Michael Quinlan uh, revised commentary paraphrase, okay? So, buckle up. So verse 2 and 3, Proverbs 31, verse 2 and 3 says, What are you doing, my son? What are you doing, son of my womb? What are you doing, son of my vows? Do not give your strength to women, your ways to those who destroy kings. Michael's commentary. She keeps her son from being a frat boy. Okay. We're going to skip down to verse 8. Open your mouth for the mute and for the rights of all who are destitute. She teaches him how to look out for the disabled. Absolutely, she does. Verse 9. Open your mouth. Judge righteously. Defend the rights of the poor and the needy. She teaches her son to judge righteously, 
defending the rights of the poor and needy. That one translated pretty good. Verse 11, <laughs> the heart of her husband trusts in her and he'll have no lack of gain. Her husband trusts her. Now listen, that's a big one because there is something about, you know, when I leave, I know my kids are in safe hands when they're in the hands of my wife. There are other people not so sure about it, all right? And when she talks about it, she says, the righteous woman, the husband, trusts her that she's going to take what's best for her household. We see in verse 12. We're not going to go through the whole thing, don't worry. She does him good and not harm all the days of her life. She treats him right. Wives. <laughs> I had fun with this. I had fun with this. My wife kind of, she said it was okay, so don't get mad at me. All right. Verse 13. <laughs> right under the bus, Alva. Sorry. Verse 13. Okay, here we go. This is, we have some industrial revolution context, okay? She seeks out wool and flax and works with willing hands. She works with fabric willingly. <laughs> do you know how many times we've had a conversation about, do we throw the jeans away or do we try to sew them back together? Once upon a child, second hand, we just buy them every time. All right? Uh, she is like the ships of the merchant. She brings her food from afar. She goes where the sails are. Do you know how many times, you know, the, one of the biggest things that the COVID pandemic did to us is it taught my wife about delivery groceries, or not delivery, uh, drive-in groceries. Like, how can you find the sales if you're not looking through the aisle? Anyways, <laughs> welcome to our perpetual civil war at our house. Uh, okay, I like this one. Uh, verse 15, verse 15. She rises while it's still night, and she provides food for her household and portions for her maidens. This one's a little bit tougher, but she's getting up early in the morning to cook, and she's even making extra cook, extra food. So if you come from an Italian family, that's your, that's your mother, your grandmother right there. <laughs> I had an Italian neighbor, and she got up early to cook, and she came over and dropped off so much food at my house. Uh, we should move back to that house. Okay. Uh, verse 16, she buys, I'm just going to move through it. She buys real estate and she invests in it, right? Talks about she finds a field. Uh, I love this one. Verse 17, this one's a good one. Verse 17, it says, she dresses herself with strength and makes her arms strong. What's she do? She goes to Pilates. All right. Uh, verse 18, she knows the value of what she's selling. Verse 19, I like this one. Verse 19. Uh, I like it all, obviously. She puts her hands to the, she puts her hand to the distaff and her hands hold well the spindle. She has skills in sewing and seamstress work. My wife knows how to sew a button much better than I do. One time I tried to sew the button and she laughed at me and then took a picture and sent it to her mother. She was right. I did it wrong. I did it incorrectly. Okay, here's a good one. Uh, verse 20, she looks out for the poor. She feeds them. All right, verse 21. This one's a good one. This one's a good one. People are going to like this one. I said to myself when I wrote it. She's not afraid of snow for her household, for her household are clothed in scarlet. She's a prepper. 
Everyone with a deep freezer with stuff for six years in it, say amen. amen. There it is. Uh, okay, verse 22. We're almost done. Verse 22. She makes bed coverings for herself, and her clothing is fine linen and purple. What do we got? She goes to Bed Bath & Beyond for those extra throw pillows. Yeah, we're just going to skip down, Sarah. Verse, nine, verse 27, we're just going to skip down. Verse 27, she looks well to the ways of her household and does not eat the bread of idleness. She is a hard worker. She's a dignified woman. Oh, okay, here, verse 25, she's a dignified woman, ain't afraid of nothing. Verse 27, she talks with wisdom, teaches with kindness. She looks out for her family, and she's not lazy. And finally, finally, if that wasn't enough, verse 28, Proverbs 31, her children rise up and they call her blessed, her husband also, and he praises her, her family calls her blessed. You know, there is a time in this world now where we say parent one, we say parent two, we say menstruating persons, we say all this stuff. The Bible calls you blessed. The, the, your household calls you blessed. This church calls you blessed. Here today in 2023, you are not parent one, parent two. You are not this or that. You are a woman. You are valued. You are loved. You were created in the image. You were created from man, and man was born from you. You both come from God. God looked at man and said he needs help, and it says that he created for him a helper. Why? Because man it is not good that man would dwell alone. And when everyone was together, he said, it's very good. There is value in being a woman. Your value is not found in how well you husband your household and father your household. Your value is in that you are a woman of dignity, that you are a righteous woman, that you fear the Lord. You look for your household because charm may be deceitful, beauty may be vain, but it is the woman who fears the Lord who is to be praised Give her the fruit of her hands and let her works praise her in the gates. I9 Church today, we praise the work that you do for your household. We praise what you do for your children. We praise what you do for the children who are not of your womb, but they are in your prayers. They are in your heart. We praise you for the physical and the spiritual investment that you pour into people who need it most. We praise you for looking out not only for the offspring that are in front of you, but for the children who need a mother in their lives to encourage them, to give them compassion, to remind them of their value, to remind them of their strength, to remind them of their character. The gates rise up and praise you. The church rises up and praises you. Us as men, we are praising you today for all that you do, not as parent one, but as mothers, as women, in the image that God created you to do, in the things that God put inside of you that only you can do. We thank you for it. We love you for it. We honor you for it. We praise you for it. Everybody said Amen. Can we pray? We're going to pray. Would you stand with me? Heavenly Father, we dedicate this day. We celebrate mothers. We celebrate women. We celebrate the great investment, impact, and influence that they have in each one of our lives and the lives of those that we care so much about, Lord. We thank you that you love women, that even your son Jesus, when he was on the cross, was looking out for his mother when he called John the beloved and he said, behold your son and behold your mother, because even on the cross, 
Jesus was thinking about his mom, and today we think about the mothers, not only our own mothers, whether they be here or not, in the physical or in, absence, in, in absentia, but the women who have spoken into our lives, the women who have been compassionate for us, the women who have prayed for us, just as Augustine was a son of such tears, so are many we that have been sons and daughters of such tears of the mothers and the grandmothers and the great-grandmothers and the women and the spiritual women who have prayed and, and, and cried and, and, and given us over to the Lord. Just as Hannah gave over Samuel over to the Lord, so has so many women given these sons and this next generation to the Lord. Lord, we thank you for them. We thank you that in a time when society would try to devalue what you created women to be, Lord, we thank you that we speak against the world and we speak for what you have said and for what you have done and that we value women, that we value the, the, the picture that you have put inside of them, Lord. We thank you that it is impossible for us to go on without women and we recognize the amazing impact. We also pray a special blessing for those who have not had children, who no longer have children around, or who have even been working in a single mother capacity, Lord. We pray for a special blessing to be over them. We thank you for a special grace to continue to operate in their lives. We thank you that you cause them to rise above the storm, that you cause them to grow not weary, but to run with strength and run with dignity as they continue to fear you and everything you do. We give you the glory, the honor, praise. We ask for a special blessing for all of the mothers and all of the women and all of the grandmothers and even the great mother, grandmothers of this household. We give you the glory, the honor, praise. And everybody said, Amen. Everyone, go honor our mother, go honor your mother, go honor grandmother, and have an amazing day. If you need prayer, we'll be up here. You're dismissed. Good afternoon, everybody. Welcome to the After Nine Show. As Pastor Michael said, Go honor a mother. So yes, we love Mother's Day. Um, so if you're just tuning in with us right now and you missed service and you just came on right this second, then I encourage you just to go all the way back to this and watch the service and then we'll be able to discuss, um, yeah, what we learned today. So I'm supposed to have Pastor Brian Travail joining me. Don't see him yet. But that's okay, we're gonna get started. So um, when I have a lot of people in my life that are mothers and like my friends, my own mother, you know, just a lot of women that I interact with have children. And when I was younger, I used to enjoy, I'm not gonna say the name of it, but this uh, game. And in the game, there was different creatures that would have like, different versions of themselves. So there'd be like a baby version and then like a bigger version and then an even bigger version and they had different names and it was this whole thing. But I like to think of mothers that way. Like for instance, Angie, before Rosie was born, she was this version of Angie that I knew and that I loved and you know, we connected and it was awesome and great. And then Rosie was born and then Angie turned into like Angie 2.0. And it was like all these strengths and all these things that we see come alive in Angie because of Rosie and because she's this nurturer, this carer, you know, um, all this stuff, just like she was that before. But now that Rosie's here, she's even more so. Does that make sense? So I like to think that when a woman becomes a mother, it's like they come to their next stage of leveling up. 
per se, because you know, I think like even for me, I I always joke that I'm a cat. I have a cat. I'm a cat mother. I have a fur mom because I have my son that I take care of and I love him. And a par part of me feels like he is my child, but I know he's just a cat. But you know, when uh, someone becomes a mother, it's like they have a piece of them outside of their body that they have to take care of. And I heard an actually, I heard a really really interesting fact about it. And I, I could be wrong. So it was like a scientific fact I heard that says that the DNA that like, so my DNA, when my mom was pregnant with me, there's that piece of DNA that was in me stays in my mom. So there's always that when it says like, oh, I carry a piece of you everywhere I go. There's always that strand that stays with the mother. So it's like the child and the mother have a special connection. Pastor Brian. Sorry, I didn't tell you before that you're doing this with me. <laughs> I've got a good memory, it's just not as long ago. Like, That's okay. That's okay. So I'm just talking about moms, I guess. But the one thing I, I read this scientific thing the other day, but I don't know the, jar the jargon, but it was saying how when a mother gives birth to a child, that pieces of their DNA remain in the mother. Mm -hmm. So even say like, unfortunately, like if a mother would have a miscarriage, like that DNA would never leave the mother, yeah. you know? Like it's not like her DNA changes, but it's like pieces of that are in, in her strand, like in her, you know, if you were to break down the, anyway, I don't know at all, but I think that's really interesting fact. It is uh, actually interesting and it just shows the complexity of uh, God and yeah. his design for humankind. Yeah. Um, that there would be such a deep connection and you know one of the obvious things that we kind of center on there when we're dealing with addictions is uh attachment yeah um an attunement uh and basically the ability to feel what the other person's feeling yes and what you're talking about it goes right in line with that because you know if i'm carrying a piece of you yeah obviously if i i'm not but i mean as a mother there's something that is always with me yeah which i think speaks to the intuition because mothers have such an intuition anyways right? yes they do they're you know there's there's always like uh like if i i'm trying to think of an example but like if i were to have a conversation with my mom and i would answer her in a certain way she'd she be like oh, what was that so about it's like taking a lie detector yeah. test without <laughs> being wired up right yeah. one thing that happens a lot is well like we like sometimes we'll talk early in the morning and mornings are not my best time i'm not <laughs> i'm not the best in the mornings and so i'll just be like hey like how's it going like normal she'll be like what's wrong you don't sound like yourself i said mom i'm just i'm tired it's early <laughs> but yes you can't really get much uh, past your mother they know they know they the do. mothers they know they, they actually do and uh just like the whole uh concept of of what this message was really about yeah and I think there's just been so much uh, distortion mm -hmm. uh, brought into culture about women and mothers yeah. in general. And he really, uh, I thought, did a great did a job, job that, yeah. emphasizing that because no matter what the world wants to define mothers as, God mm -hmm. has made it very clear in his word, Yes, you know, what a woman is and what a mother is. And the, the interesting thing about it is uh, when you look at mothers and women in general it's almost like they've been set up to compete yeah. against men yeah. rather than work hand in hand with men yeah and i think that is really the 
what we're seeing as as you know the problem with society mm-hmm. today is yeah. we're competing with one another rather than complementing one another. I agree. Which is what God designed, right? Yeah, I agree. And I think it's an identity issue. I think it was what it comes down to because definitely we're kind of in a culture where I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, where like even my my little kids like in youth, like some, I've heard them say sometimes like I don't need a man, and, like I can do whatever, blah blah blah, and like right. there there's this like this like feeling that they have to be independent to the point of not needing you know and i understand like for me for instance i i am single so like there's a degree of independence i have to have but there's nothing in me that says that i can do anything that a man can do like i'm well aware you know what kind of what we're really getting to is the yeah it's the whole root of all evil and that's self-sufficiency yeah absolutely right we need relationships we need each other Mm -hmm. god has designed specific you know guidelines but also um needs within us to be met through you know through uh that whole matrimonial experience through um relying on other friendships and other people that you know we just can't really get our value met or our life will be fulfilled without having those exactly. in a healthy manner absolutely yeah and you know i think like what pastor michael even touched on today you know uh a woman has the strength of her own you know that, that there's yeah. nothing that you can't come literally you can't compare apples and oranges right no um, absolutely not and so i think that's really exciting i think even just to see like with all of our women today you know we have a lot of spiritual mothers in the house as well mm-hmm. and i think he did a really good job touching on that point as well yes. even with elizabeth and how you know she came and i was studying on elizabeth a few weeks ago and I found it interesting that she acknowledged um, Jesus in Mary. Mm-hmm. And then after she had encouraged her with that, then Mary went on to sing the song, yeah. you know? So it's like, it's like Elizabeth provided an opportunity for Mary to, to rejoice in her gift of yeah. the baby of Jesus, right? It's cool. Yeah. And I mean, uh, the whole uh, connection there again yeah. was, it was, it was interesting because they were related um, as, I think they were cousins. They're right? cousins, yeah. from what but I know, yeah. There was more than that natural connection. There was a connection automatically, I believe, in the spirit. And, you know, when the baby wept, I think, you know, I've, I've actually heard teachings where it was actually the work of the Holy Spirit communicating. Yeah, wow. You know, so that's pretty profound when you think about that. Yeah. That, you know, the whole point of relationships is they go beyond the natural realm. Yes. Right? And yeah we have to have a which you know i think he did a very good job on too is talking about honor mm-hmm. if we don't have honor then it's going to be hard to see value in the other person yeah right true. or in the person period yeah um so it, it's very very important to maintain that sense of honor but also the need to honor when honors yep. do right yep yep agreed that's awesome and pastor michael kind of touched on it a little bit just in closing um how you know, a mother is blessed because she is a mother, but also because of what her children mm. bring to her. So I just want to encourage you today, if you're a child, maybe physically, or if you have a spiritual mother, just acknowledge them. And like Pastor Brian said, just take today and honor them and even just send them a little text or a phone call or whatever. It goes a long way just to acknowledge to someone that, you know, you have poured into my life in a yeah. mothering way and I honor you today. And we honor all of the mothers of Inspiration 9 today. We do. Do you have any closing words? Um, you know, I think uh, we've we've covered so much, but I think the important thing is um, we don't we don't have to try hard. We just have to enjoy yes. the company of mothers. Yes. We have to just kind of maybe have some 
uh, funny stories and, and just good healthy memories. Yeah. Right. Like yeah. Uh, it, it's just natural. Yep. And it shouldn't have to be complicated. No, it doesn't. Okay. Well, all right. that's all we have for today, Pastor Brian. It was fast and furious. Thank yes, you for joining me. All right. um, we will see you tomorrow at 630 at the Lighthouse. And if you aren't connected to a live Lighthouse and you would like to be, reach out to us. Let us know info at i9church.com or whatever. Message right. us on Facebook. But we'll see you tomorrow at 630 at the Lighthouse. Have the best day of your life and happy Mother's Day once again. All right. Thank you.